Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi, continuing our conversation about Mid-City's Care Corps. I just got done speaking to their development manager, Allison Wendler. We're going to move to a man that is on their advisory board, and he does a lot within this sector, charities and nonprofits. He knows a lot. Highly recommended by Paul Howard of the NeuroFitness Foundation. Mark Kelly is in the studio with me. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate you stopping by. So as I mentioned, Paul Howard recommended you, and he said that you you know a lot of people and you know a lot of organizations. But I thought the best way to kind of introduce you to this show and, and kind of get you in here was to talk about Mid-Cities Care Corps. So you were on their advisory board. For people that don't know really what that means, I would kind of include myself with that. What what does that mean? Uh, the advi- Well, you, they have a board of directors that that performs the duties that most traditional boards perform. And then I think to kind of expand involvement for some of us out in the community that maybe do not have that much time to be an actual board member. They have an advisory board. And what I gather from being on it just, I think, for under two years now is to sort of help uh, be an idea generator, create a vision, Mm. and, you know, to help the board so they're not just the only ones doing that. And it kind of kind of broadens the reach of the organization. You know, they've reached out to those of us in broader areas. I mean, I'm, you know, with a family funeral home business, there's a pastor, there's a retired aeronautics guy. I mean, there's a broad range of people there. So I think they're, I think they're trying, that's what they're trying to do is to get as much information and opinions and help as they can. Diverse ideas to try and just push the organization forward. Right. And my guess is, since I'm, since we serve people at their darkest hour, uh, being in the funeral uh, service, we see a lot and have contact with a lot of organizations that work with seniors. Mm. So I, I think, I'm guessing, that's why I was asked that. And um, I have a soft spot for social organizations that help people. I mean, I wish I was a had a massive oil well trust fund because if I did, I would do nothing but be on boards and help. <laughs> That's what you would be doing. Um, so the organization found you. They found me, Dwayne Buke, who's the executive director, who is one of these mild-mannered, jolly, sweet man. Mm-hmm. You know, you wish that every principal you had or teacher you had was like him. That's sure. the kind of guy he is. Yeah. Truthfully, I'm real demonstrative. I'm always wanting to pat Dwayne because he's just good, much calmer than I am. And I, I think I just ran into him at various Chamber of Commerce meetings and different groups that I attend as kind of the community outreach for our family mm. business. And uh, he just asked me, you know, what do you think about 
being on the advisory board, and I said, sure, I could do that. Is that is that a common thing? In all honesty, I don't think I've heard of anybody that was approached by an organization to be on the board. A lot of times they seek it out. They're maybe involved with it some in some capacity already, and then they step it up. But you're kind of the reverse there. Yeah, I know. I think it's kind of – I think it's either or. I know from in my past managing nonprofits – that I definitely uh, helped seek out some people I knew in the community mm-hmm. that we wanted to try and get on the board. You know, uh, you always, when I used to be the manager of these different organizations before I came back and joined the family funeral service, I wanted a board that was proactive, not reactive. And Dwayne, since I've been involved in this Mid Cities Care Corps, this is a great group. You heard Allison speak before. It is proactive. They're, Very much so, yeah. Yeah, they're really doing the work. I'm always impressed when I go, Dwayne, as the as the CEO or the manager, whatever title you want to give him, has really done the, diligent, the due diligence in running the stats, looking at the numbers, not just where we are in the black and the red, but, you know, really setting a, a vision forward for where we want to get to go and what needs to happen. And it... it and since Allison's come on, too. So, you know, I think she said it started in 81, and I guess it just kind of rocked along for a few couple of decades there. And now, from what I see, there's sort of this tipping point has occurred, mm. and it's starting to expand, and so which it needs to, because as the senior population explodes and expands, which is what it's doing, you know, this non-governmental care that's going to have to help from all of us is doing so, which is what this is, really. When you see an organization like this at a tipping point when they're about to get bigger, is that a, is that something that excites you or is that almost a scary thing? Because for a lot of these organizations, they're doing real good in the lane that they're in, and that expansion can either make or break them. So from the position that you're in, do you like seeing that or does it is it almost a, a cause for concern? Oh, no. It, well, it excites hell out of me. But now, I mean, I just I'm that way only yeah. because I know I know how many seniors out there are in need. Even with the expansion that you and I just spoke of, I can guarantee you there is a wealth of need and a dearth of ability to get to it. You know, so even if it expands, it's still not going to be enough. No, I don't think it'll ever be enough. You're always going to have a grandmother, widow, sitting somewhere in a house who does not have any children or they're off living way far away she may not have that many friends i'm just using that as an example she might not be the type that knows how to reach out or she doesn't want to ask for a lot of help and as allison talked about the light bulbs being burned out i know this because i've come back and my mom you know i'm i'm always going over to change a light bulb or do all those little things you know and it's really cold when it's really cold she doesn't want to get out and go to the pharmacy to get her medication because it's too cold. So, and I don't think, I don't think y'all touched on the lawn care part. Maybe you you did, but in addition to the wheelchair ramps and the these crews, the volunteers go in and they'll build a storage unit. They adopt a lawn and take care of these things because these. I mean, I'm going to say women. A lot of times they're men too. But just for my example, you get a widowed homebound or even a woman that maybe can drive a few places she can't clean the rain gutters she can't mow the lawn she can't trim the stuff she can't do all that stuff so you can imagine what we really want to do is try and keep people 
at home for as long as we can before, I mean, ideally everyone would pass away at home with their family gathered around them, right? Yeah. Of course, that doesn't happen. So, you know, many of them have to go into institutions. And uh, this is not casting a or pointing a finger at the institutions. I'm glad they're there to do what they need to do, but no one wants to go in there. Just like I was raised, my granddad saying, no one wakes up in the morning wanting to come into Lucas Funeral Home, our family business. And we know that, and that's true. And nobody does, and we don't want them to have to. But the unfortunate truth is they do. And now that our population is aging, Staying alive so much, and you know, it's going to be a lot of need. With an organization like Mid Cities Care Corps, and also in your profession, are you really? You hear a lot about that, about the the explosion of of age. Let's say, or are you really seeing that? Is that something that you're really noticing uh, more than past years or decades? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I see the stats being in the what some call the death care industry, which for a family business like us that term kind of we don't care for it but <laughs> i can see that you know you you regardless it is a business it has to keep the doors open to keep serving the generations that come you see all the life i mean it, it's just it the way is. it is and you see the 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 statistics what congress is calling the silver tsunami that is heading our way that's what i'm saying you hear these terms but a lot of people don't actually see it and why would they right no one no one exactly. No one in their teens, their 20s, their 30s, even their 40s usually drives around thinking about funeral homes or aging populations and what that, or Social Security. You know, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. But uh, it's a real issue for our economic health, I mean, as a country. You know, the old saying, a rising tide lifts all boats. Well, it's easy for us all to forget that. And I do the same. Look, I'm not, I'm no saint here. I'm not saying that I forget it on the way here to your studio. There was a traffic accident and I'm immediately went from a good mood to a foul mood and, you know, lost, I think sight of the greater picture that there's so much need out there and we're all on the same team, but you know, we're also individualized. We're on our phones and we're in our cars and we're doing our own little personal things and it's hard to i think get a grasp on the size of this issue so i you know probably being really i should thank Dwayne for asking me to be on this advisory board because it it does allow to keep me to sort of keep that in the forefront of my mind and that's one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about is you're, you're heavily involved. You've got a list of different organizations that you're involved with to, to some capacity. Is it, what, what do you get out of being a part of all these organizations? What does it do for you? Oh, Lordy. I, don't, I guess it makes me channel my grandmother. It's not with me anymore because she was that type. And our, the matriarch of our family, uh, funeral service mildred lucas that just passed away a few days ago so many service organizations both those ladies lost a child when they were young and i think what got them through that grief and misery uh was service Mm. so my grandmother told me and uh i've not 
lost a child or any, I've been lucky. I've been really lucky and blessed and immune to not losing anyone super close to me in the family yet. Uh, well, other than my grandmother and now Mildred. But um, I guess I just believe that we all, you know, government can't do everything. Uh, now, I'm, you know, kind of an old FDR guy. I do think that big government has a role to do things that private sector cannot do and they need to do. But we all know the problems with some of that. So it's got to be a partnership, right? The private sector, uh, President Bush, one, used to say thousand points a lot. I didn't know what he was talking about when he was first used that term. What he was trying to refer to was all these kind of organizations being the point of light, I believe, and I could be wrong, but Paul Neuro Fitness Foundation that you were talking about, yeah. when he was doing the research on grants and how to, you know, they get by on a shoestring on that foundation, I think he's told me there were it's somewhere between twenty and 30,000 nonprofits in the Metroplex. It's something like it's, somebody actually told me the exact number, and I, I wish I remembered it, but it is somewhere between 25 and 35. Huge yeah. number. It's crazy. I'll never run out of organizations doing this show, which you would think that I'm, I'm going to yeah. peak. It'll never happen. I've always got another great, and they're all great. I mean, of course, there's shady organizations out there, but there the are. people that I talk to are phenomenal. There are. I'm, we know they're the, the scammers, and the sure. and it's unfortunate. That, and we know that the uh, charity navigator, I think you can look up, that kind of tells you about the reputable ones and how much money goes to the— It's a good site, yeah. It, it is. So I, I think more good than bad is done. And uh, I just am involved. I, I came back here and, and got involved in the family uh, business, not knowing exactly what part I was going to do. Uh, other than social outreach and some of the media stuff like that. And uh, so going to these different chamber of commerces and different uh, dinners and so forth, I started meeting these people, and it's hard for me to say no, and which I should have because there are some people that I've, I've not followed through as much as I should have. And, uh, you know, they're all – I think you could probably all call them a good neighbor organization, which – that's another thing. Neighbor, that term is not what it was even when you were growing up. I'm about 20 years on you. It's, it's not what when I was growing up, you know. I think people knew not to be too rose-colored glasses in nostalgia. There were a lot of bad things happening to people back then, too. But I do think that at least down where we are, I'm not sure about Manhattan, but that neighbors, a lot of neighborhoods had a sense of who everybody was. I know that they still exist. There are neighborhoods where that happens, but by and large, we're so busy. We're so focused on what we're doing. I just don't think we're aware. You know, you just on the news, you see that on the news. Um, just that within the past two days, that family that came from Texas, that was in California that had the 13 children, yeah, you know, uh, chained to beds and all that. A well, complete nightmare, yes. Yeah, and people are raising their eyebrows saying, how these neighbors on that? Well, the neighbors don't know, and I got to thinking, I wouldn't know. Next, The person to my right, my next to me where I live, I don't have a clue. I wave at them every now and then. I don't know what they do. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think, really, to answer your question, it just makes me feel better, and I'm hoping I help in – some way 
You know, do you feel that organizations and like these volunteering for them, helping them out in some capacity? Do you think that it really does fill that that void uh, of there being a lack of true neighborly activity? Well, I hope that it does. I hope it fills. I mean, would you recommend it to other people to try and oh, to be involved or so? Oh, yeah, in, in, in any capacity. I mean, a lot of people, uh, honestly, a lot of people don't. And then I'll meet people like you, and they're involved with multiple organizations. Right. Well, I've said to Dwayne many times, I should. I've, I don't feel fully fulfilled. I, I, I want to help them. I want to try and help them get some money and give them some ideas. But truly, for me, I think I would get more out of if I got on one of those lawn crews or if I did drive or if I called. Yeah. You know, I loved, I've always been drawn to the folks that were two generations ahead of me. Even as a little kid, I always wanted to hang out and hear their stories. Yeah. I loved telling their stories. And um, so, yeah, I think the more all of us could do it. But I'm a single guy with no children. So I don't know how these people that have families and all that they have to do even volunteer that much I, I think that most of us volunteer involvement in mid-cities care corps probably a little older and their kids are out of the nest so that they can spend the time i think you it's know. interesting that you said this you know you're on the advisory board and you work kind of in that capacity for a lot of these different organizations but you're talking about doing the regular volunteer stuff and that idea i i kind of view those things that you mentioned as i love tasks that have a definite beginning and an end Me when too. i gotta build a fence and there's the fence is done. I am done with my work. I've completed a task. I like that. Are you the kind of guy that likes that kind of the same thing? I am, and that's. I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because that's a challenge for me. I I like a project, something that you you start off, you have the meetings, you pull your hair out and figure all the things you're going to do, and then you get that goal, and then okay, I'm done. This has no end. Right. Yeah. It just goes on. It's life. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's an issue for me. It, <laughs> It worries me and uh, sometimes depresses me. You know, it's so broad and it doesn't end, but that's life, I guess. But you're still a part of these organizations and you're still still willing to do the hard work. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't feel like I do that hard work, to tell you the truth. All these people that, all these people that really that do the driving and doing the lawn and, you know, all that and, and taking the time to call, they're the ones doing the hard work. Really, and the the three part time employees Allison mentioned and Dwayne, yeah, they're doing a lot harder work than I am. It's a lot of people for three employees. Well, they depend on those volunteers. It's amazing. Mark Kelly is on the advisory board of the Mid Cities Care Corps. He works with Lucas Funeral Homes, and he's helping out what let's say half a dozen different organizations across the Metroplex. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, yeah there's always plenty of them. Um, I'm always interested in people that, that really enjoy doing these things. What do you look for in an organization? What would make you say, yeah, I, I would like to be a part of that organization? What is What are the things that speak to you about a volunteer group or a charity or a nonprofit organization that make you say, yes, I will be a part of that? Uh, you know, just do they help people? I mean, uh, that's really all I care about. Now, I do have a soft spot for it's odd because I'm not really that involved in an organization that feeds, let's say, hungry children or people. I, I have a soft spot for that, and I've never really done anything with foster care uh, before. It's just something that 
worries me because I've looked at the stats and and I know what it's like to not have two parents and that kind of a thing. And uh, that really worries me. It worries me from my heart, but also as kind of a policymaker individual. I have a government degree, and I, it worries me for our republic mm. and our society. But all in all, I just, uh, when I run across these folks at different meetings or whatever, and, I, you know, I don't do that much. I mean, literally— I make donations of money from really the company and myself and I try and, I mean, I help some, don't get me wrong, to help show up to feed or to uh, Rotary, which is a great international organization that's got a history that most people, many people, younger generations have no idea what it's about. It's a wonderful organization that started out really to end polio uh, eradicate that from the face of the planet. But, you know, it also, within each Rotary Club, within its own community, I'm in the Grapevine one. I was going to ask. I, I've had Dallas on, and they were, I had four representatives in here. They were amazing. They, all of them. They were great people. They had super fascinating stories. They were all doing really interesting. I mean, each one of them were doing interesting things through Rotary. And, you know, nearly every city has, has their own Rotary. So oh. you're, you're in great fun. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. These I got involved in Rotary about three years ago, maybe, three or four years ago. And um, it's amazing the amount of things that the Grapevine Rotary does in there. I mean, they, they give computers to kids that can't afford them. They give scholarships. They feed... Uh, hungry children during the summer that don't get that meal from school that they depend on. I mean, that's just a few things they do. I, that's the list is long, is long locally and internationally. Grace, I'll mention that is another nonprofit that's in Grapevine. Grace that, is one that I used to hear about. I grew up okay. in the Grapevine area. I used to hear about Grace a lot um, have you have you been a part of that organization for a while? I, well, I don't. I'm not a part of it. I'm not on a board or anything of that nature. But the executive director Shonda is in Rotary. I met her that way, mm. and so I just kind of hear about everybody in Grapevine hears about Grace and what they're doing. Yeah, and you know, they and they have stores that they actually sell things. You know, also to help help. Uh, mothers that have been abused i mean that's just one thing to get back on their feet and to be with their children and mm. feed people i mean it's just a it's a it's a good samaritan organization that just helps you know i when the country was growing up it was a lot of the churches and, and a lot of ladies in the churches you know got that kind of thing going but as this country's grown so much and there's so many needs just each little group of church women they can't do all that right most of them are probably working three right. jobs or something sure so i think that's kind of what spawned all of these nonprofit organizations you know was need and uh grace is amazing valiant hearts is another organization i found out about just by attending an awards ceremony and i have not follow through like I should. I'm going to now. Then I'm telling the world I didn't. But Valiant Hearts is wants to help stop sexual exploitation, human trafficking. I mean, the the statistics are 
crazy. I'm going to get out my phone here in a minute. I'll keep moving on, and I'll I'll just share something with you. Well, I, while you're doing that, I, I think that one of the the good and the bad of doing a show like this is you meet people that are doing a lot of good work, and you and you, you see that good side, but then you start hearing statistics. There's a dark side to our area, and when you hear these things, they're shocking. And it's good to meet people that are that are trying to make an impact on on these. But whether it's childhood poverty or whether it's joblessness or food deserts or whatever it is, oh. um, you you meet these people that are doing these things. But then you learn about that those those bad statistics, and it's eye opening. Yeah, I mean, look, look at the range. I was going to mention the clubhouse for special needs. That's in Bedford. That's a a, a small clubhouse so that um, disadvantaged to, with special needs can have somewhere to go after school and not only just play, but learn and be involved until their parents can, you know, that so that latchkey stuff, because a lot of them didn't have place to go. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, they have uh, true, serious developmental issues, these children. And so this woman named uh, um, Darlene started this thing on a shoestring. She got this building donated and got the rotary out there to give her some money and was just literally flying by the seat of her pants up until last year she didn't have a a van so if they went on a field trip the kids on the wheelchair they had to stay because they didn't have a lift so you know that's another one that's just there i mean there are so many of these different organizations so you've got you know the ones that help with special needs you've got rotary that's broad you've got neuro fitness foundation that helps people that have suffered injuries that are paraplegic quadriplegic trying to get them to working out because it'll pull them out of depression and lessen the suicide rates that are so high you've got someone like grace mid-cities care corps valiant hearts that's dealing with the dark side yeah listen to this 45.8 million slaves in the world today 22 percent of those are sex slaves so they want to end bondage and restore hope Texas is ranked number two in the nation for the most reported human trafficking cases. 400 traffic underage teens work the streets of Dallas each night. 13 is the average age an American girl enters the sex trade. I know. We've got this going on. This Valiant Hearts group out of South Lake is doing what they can to help women remove themselves from that and the executive director Carrie Gurley uh, very openly tells her story on the website of being a daughter of a molester and what she went through and so she's doing the hard work because getting those people out of that is not easy you're not you know the people that have them in that are not friendly folks right so so, you know, there's such a range, it's crazy, of what all of these nonprofits are doing out there. We literally, we would not exist in this society that we have without them. Just wouldn't. I And, and that's really, I, I think, one of the major reasons why I wanted to have you in here from what I've heard. You, you know, you were involved with so many different groups, and I think that you're a good example for people to to understand what you're capable of doing by yourself and how you can help people and help your community. And it can be by helping a little bit or you can help a lot. 
and you can be diverse in your interests or you can be very focused. The point is, the more you do something, the more you help. And whether it fulfills a personal need or just one that you think society needs, you're able to do it through volunteering and helping out these nonprofits or these charities. Right. And I think that you're doing that. And I, I think it's a good thing. I think, you know, I think part of it, tell you the truth, it also is get, getting back here in this family uh, business. I lived away for 23 years out in the Western United States doing other things. And, uh, but I grew up in this funeral service. I always came back and visited. And, I, and uh, so an interesting thing that's happened uh, sociologically in our country is that over the last uh, several decades mm. that, that, that we are in, it, we've become more secular. People have moved around. You know, they're spread out more and more. And so I guess, well, the point I'm trying to get to, because of that, when a lot of people pass away, here's what I learned. They're not connected to a church. They don't have a pastor, or they may not have a family member that can help tell the story. So that's why my cousin wanted me to come back. He said, can you come back and be what's called a celebrant? I didn't know what that term was. <laughs> I'd rather just call myself a eulogizer or a storyteller or something. So yeah. I, and there's a, I'm not the only one, there's a group of us that are, do that. We will sit with the family get all the stories together and then really knock it out of the park to try and tell that person's life story to help that family get through grief. Now, how does that fit into what we're talking about? Well, I started, you start learning all these stories. And I think I will say this funeral directors are probably underutilized in the country. No one thinks about interviewing them. We see, we learn everything. We learn all of these different fabulous stories i mean you and i could sit here and do every show and just tell seriously a different life story of the 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 deceased that come across our path and the families we help you learn all of these rich rich you know it's an oprah show every day at the funeral home so i know that may sound crazy but it is and we're just one company or family doing this you yeah. know so yeah well, I we got a lot. That, you worn me out. <laughs> no, I, I, it's, it's amazing. I, I'm I'm I I wasn't sure where this conversation was going to go. I love where it went, and I think that we've kind of developed something here. You're you're on the board with a lot of different organizations, and I know that you're going to hopefully come back. Oh yeah, talk I'll do some it, more yeah. and and bring some groups in, and we'll just kind of keep this going. I think you've got a lot of you've given a lot of good advice about uh, nonprofits and charities and. You understand a lot, and I think you've imparted a lot of uh, wisdom, whether you like that or not. That's okay. There's a lot of love out there. People do have a lot of, regardless of all the all the bad stuff, I do, do still believe that the majority of us, you know, have good intent. Doesn't mean we don't have temper tantrums or something, but we <laughs> try and help people. <laughs> Mark Kelly is on the advisory board of Mid-Cities Care Corps. He works with a lot of different organizations and is the celebrant at Lucas Funeral Homes. Uh, once again, Mid-Cities Care Corps' website, midcitiescarecorps.org. Their phone number, 817-282-0531. Mark, I really appreciate your time today. I'd love to have you back, and uh, hopefully you will do just that. Thank you. I thought I had you in my crosshairs when you were making me drive to downtown Dallas, <laughs> but I'm really glad I came. Thank you, sir.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.